1: com. it is Friday morning, this is Sex Talk with John T. Searle, and I think Tamar is with us. <laughs> yes, I am. Good morning, it is so cool to hear your
2: voice. It's so cool to be with you guys, even in a beautiful internet space.
1: Yes, how are things in Israel? Humid, yeah. hot, very much like a pussy environment. Oh, that sounds really... It's just beautiful. <laughs> I mean, who can argue with that? Yeah, and
2: lots of beach and lots yeah. of uh, bitches, so
1: everything's good. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, and it I'm, is. I'm really glad that you could be with us this morning. Yeah, how are you guys? Oh, it's warmer in Joburg than it has been, which is nice. fantastic. Okay. So the sun's shining and we're sitting here at Cliff Central and we're talking to you, so that's a pretty fantastic kind of day. <laughs> same year baby, same year Absolutely And a really special guest this morning Sonia, pronounce your surname again so I don't get it wrong Zimak Zimak, you've got to talk really close to the mic Zimak So pull it closer to you and then you'll be able to hear Good, that's much better And you are a Constellation Facilitator That's right,
0: Family Constellation Absolutely, Facilitator Absolutely,
1: which is really, really interesting And we're going to talk all about that and how that fits mm. in with our sexuality but we're going to do this first and see if anybody is smart this morning. Dirty dictionary word. A lemon tart. Any idea what a lemon tart is? <laughs> On this talk, it could be anything. <laughs> okay, so take a guess. What do you think a lemon tart might be?
0: That's putting me on the spot, isn't it? (laughs) Mm, Absolutely. It's a really, really tasty pudding. I would put it a pudding pudding. more than a tart. Yeah, okay.
1: Tomorrow, any ideas? Uh,
2: Well, uh, the word tart comes to mind. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe it's something like like a, 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 a tart with a juicy pussy or something like that. Sorry, Sonia, this is who I am. I'm so sorry that you have to... Here it's um, early in the morning.
1: <laughs> no apologies, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so yeah, you kind of mm, vaguely close, not too, not too okay. far away. All right. So we will sit All with right. that, not and we will come. We'll come back to that one. we um, will be waiting. Yeah, and if you think you know what a lemon tart is, then WhatsApp us on zero seven nine seven four eight two zero nine zero. If you have any questions about constellations in sexuality or sexuality in general, um, <laughs> WhatsApp us, Zero seven nine I've got such amazing messages from people who listened to the show last this week, um, and it's just so appreciated. So thank you, and keep on listening and keep on sharing with us. It mm-hmm. really is amazing, and, and I, would, I just yeah. love sitting here and, and doing what it is that we do. And thank you for Mm -hmm. the opportunity to share that, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. So what we are talking about this morning is sexual patterns. And I did a constellation with you a few weeks ago with Sonia, and it was a beautiful experience. It was really deep. It was amazing. And it really made me think about how many of our sexual patterns come from family, come from our parents, from our grandparents. And. We don't know about this because it's the part of life that we do not talk about. So we know some things about our parents' relationship. Uh, We know what they show us and we know what they'll tell us. And very often when there's some kind of trauma, when there's a drama, when there's a breakup, we hear about their relationship a whole lot more. Mm. But to think of our parents as sexual beings becomes a really interesting and challenging thought for a lot of people. And even to have a conversation with your mother or father that says, Were you or are you sexually fulfilled is an incredibly fascinating and difficult question. Regardless of the uh, and and you don't need to know the details of their sex life. But you know, if your if your father or mother are fulfilled at work, they'll talk about that.
0: Well, I don't think we hear about sexual fulfillment as much as we hear about the affair. We hear about certain things that are going on, but it's never spoken about in the
1: sense of sex. That's it. And that really kind of gave me thought, and then I thought it would be so cool to have a conversation with you about it this morning. You know, and I think about, for example, my first exposure to, to something sexual was a porn novel that I found in my father's cupboard. You know, it was hidden. It was not okay for me to find this. It wasn't okay for me to read it. Um, and so many other people have had similar experiences. Um, and so much happens by omission. And we draw attention, more attention by omission than by inclusion.
0: Well, this is the problem in life is that we tend to exclude anything that is not
1: comfortable to us. Hmm. And we only talk about that which is comfortable to yeah. us. So give us some background to to constellation work. Where does it come from? What's it really all about?
0: Well, the constellation work was developed by a guy called Bert Hellinger who did a lot of observation in KwaZulu-Natal when he was doing his priest internship there. or he's, He spent about 20 years in KwaZulu-Natal. And when he came back to Germany, a lot of different... Um, therapies were making their, um debut, like gestalt therapy, um, amongst others, drama therapy. And he sort of put this together, but he did it in a term of observing what goes on in the underlying, in the subconscious of our emotional being. And so not knowing what goes on in our parents' uh, sexual life, um, we would never even question it. But we do question when dad doesn't come home or we question when mom um, is Um. completely not available and those things. Mm. So this is what we see in the subconscious going on in the family constellation. Mm. Okay. So it's patterns that we're carrying that we're not aware of. Well, and the, what we even not aware of is not just the sexual pattern, but also the abuse that our parents have been in, which is where the patterns
1: are actually created. Mm. And mm. they're just doing what it is that they know from what they were shown.
0: Well, what they experienced and mm. what they're trying to hide.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: Mm.
1: So this came about, this was developed in about the seventies, sixties, seventies.
0: We're talking about, no, even earlier than that, around about 40 to 50 years ago now. Okay, so it's been around for that long? Mm. In Germany, it's been around for quite a while. Okay. It's fairly new in South Africa. It's been around in South Africa for only about
1: 15 years. Okay. Okay. And it's about clearing, understanding these patterns and then being able to clear them. It's about healing the patterns. Okay. Yes.
0: Understanding the patterns, getting insight and healing the patterns for the
1: self. Mm. Okay. And what impact does that have on, on the time frame? Because if I'm healing this for myself, is this going to impact? Obviously, it's going to impact on my children because if something in me changes, something in them has the possibility of changing. Um, do we heal the past with this? Well,
0: healing has exactly the same effect as any trauma does. So first of all, you heal. When you heal within yourself, hmm. you heal the environment in which you live that 's the first part mm. um, what we have observed in family constellations is, is that if a healing takes part in the client that i 'm working with, somehow in the family, there are reports that come back and they have a healing effect that they can 't explain,
1: mm. so we call it shift happening in the whole throughout the whole family system because everything is an energy field yes, and energy is not limited to time or space no, and on one level, everything's kind of happening now anyway yes and And it happens everywhere
0: simultaneously at the same time. And also in family constellations, there's no time frame about uh, the people that are still alive and the people that have passed uh, passed on Hmm. because it heals in the family line up. Although we do not set up for the healing to be in the family line, it seems to happen. That's Hmm. the phenomena that we observe. Yeah.
1: Well, there's a lot of, of stuff, especially recently, about the fact that When the physical body stops, all that we do is kind of change energy state. We transition. But that's all. Yeah. Um, Our energy doesn't stop.
0: I also like to look at it in a slightly more simplistic way is we already are the energies of our parents. Okay. Hmm. Explain that a little bit more. That's interesting. When we were conceived, we take in... All the energies of our parents, both the father and the mother. And so we become a combination of the two energies coming together, including everybody in the, inner, in the family line upwards. That's, okay. that's how it
1: works. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Which kind of makes it interesting because we think that we are living this incredibly unique and individualistic life where. Also
0: isolated in a way.
1: Yeah, where we may not be.
0: In fact, this is the whole thing. It proves the theory we are all one.
1: Mm. So where Mm, does the one,
0: where does the one end and where does the The one stop?
1: Yeah, because if we are part of this whole lineage, we're just going back and back and we're, we're kind of the result of that.
0: We are all one. And that's, that's, that's the beauty of this work is Mm. whatever one does affects everybody. Mm. So now,
2: you know, this meet me, meets me in a very interesting space of, This Western society that we're so disconnected and we think that if we're not going to have meaning or we we seek for meaning, but after we give up the meaning of maybe religion, we're very much lost. And what you're expressing in this um, method of healing is actually gives you, I don't know, gives me a, a certain feeling of, wow, so we are connected. My responsibility of myself actually influence others. It gives me a motivation to understand it more, if it makes sense.
0: Absolutely. And and the thing is if we understand that I am just one part of a family system and every person I meet is a part of a family system too. <laughs> it it, mm-hmm. it boggles the mind a little bit yeah. when we go out there.
1: Yeah. You know what comes up for that, what you said tomorrow is is huge and um I'm going to put it as a, as a resource for us. It was a talk that a cousin of mine who passed on earlier this year gave about the sun and our relationship to the sun and the meaning of the sun. And in this, he talks about healing and how we're going to change anything in our world. That the only way we're going to do that is if we heal, change, grow, expand ourselves. Absolutely. That it is our responsibility as individuals That's what we do, and that's where it comes from. Nothing else. Absolutely. It's not waiting for anybody else. It's not about any political system. It's not about any religious system. Because all of those are just concerned with perpetuating the system, not changing anything. Politics aren't concerned with changing or making the country better. They're concerned with staying in power and doing what it is that they do. Mm. That the healing is totally our responsibility
0: and it comes from the inside out we can't work from the outside in we work from the inside
1: out yeah and a lot of our western world works totally or the paradigm we've been given for that is totally the opposite absolutely that it's all an external
0: and therefore if we take it back into our sexual relationships we always want somebody else to make us happy somebody else to fulfill us yeah
1: and your pleasure is your responsibility and so when, when does it start where you start fulfilling yourself? Mm. And that goes a lot to, and we talk about this so much is, being sexually authentic. But then when we put it in the context of, of bigger healing, because everything has to be in, in our context, sexual authenticity means that I have to be emotionally authentic. I have to be spiritually authentic. Um, and it's a part of it. In mm-hmm. our culture, we just look at everything else. But sex is the last place we go to.
0: Well, you need to be present to start off
2: with. Hmm. That's very interesting. The correlation. I can already hear when I hear Sonia and I hear you, Jonti, I can hear the correlation of being con- conscious consciousness work. It ma- it matters if it's in the. It doesn't matter if it's in the family patterns or we're talking about sexual patterns most of the time. So first of all, it matters, and the second thing, it, it's the same work.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it is all the Mm. same work. And so often, when we heal our sexuality, we heal so many other parts of ourselves connected Mm. with that.
0: Well, when you Ah. connect to yourself, I think your sexual connection becomes automatic.
1: Huh, that's interesting. And I, yeah, I'm not so sure that it does because we've separated sex from so much. And I think for so many people on spiritual journeys, sexuality is still, that's the taboo place. It's like for so many people, my body is to the top of my thighs and then from my hips up. But there's this part of me that's purely by omission. Is it by omission or is it because there's a woundedness? Oh, it's definitely a wound. And for most of us, sex comes from the place of wound. There's no question of that. Even the model that we've been given of sex, you know, which in, in our world is a very porn model, that's from a wound. It's not from a healthy, heart centered sexuality. But if we are born as sexual beings then healing the self would be part of it. Yeah, it would be. But I think we have to consciously make the connection.
0: I have an interesting way, the way I look at, sorry Tamara, Uh, what I always say is a wound disconnects you from yourself, it disconnects you from your higher source. Yeah, and all Mm. healing is about
1: connection. Yeah. So we need to connect with our sexuality in, in a conscious way. Absolutely. But Sonia,
2: you know, this is exactly the point. What happens if we are born as sexual beings, we are born without a wound or maybe we have actually interlinked. The parents' wound, the generational wound, but then we also take on ourselves from our parents' projection, society projection, all the shame, the guilt, the blame, the hurt, then you add to it some trauma and sexually very um, porn wounded, as we said, uh, society, what comes out?
0: Well, that is exactly the problem we're living with, and that's exactly why we're talking today.
1: Mm. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a huge thing because so much of that is by omission. So sex is the part of life that's spoken about the least.
0: Because there's so much shame around it.
1: Yeah. So, you know, there's a, an analogy that I use quite a lot where I say to you, can we have chicken for supper? And you say, no, we're having pasta tonight. And I say, can we have chicken tomorrow night? And you say, no, we're going to have fish. And can we have chicken the next night? And no, we're going to have... Salad, but you never tell me why we're not having chicken. You never say to me, so I'm allergic to chicken or I saw a chicken running around with its head cut off and I don't eat chicken. And as soon as you say that, then I can say, okay, I understand that, but I don't have that issue, so I'd like to have some chicken. Mm -hmm. We we don't talk about sex. So we are left to make these movies in our head – which are colored by religion, by projections, by society. So we make up all the stuff about sex, and we just kind of propagate these ideas. The question is, why don't we talk about sex? So, why Mm -hmm. don't we? I'm throwing it back at you.
0: (laughs) The question is, if you have wounded parents, for instance, it could be that either your mother or your father or both could have a sexual wound by having had or experienced molestation, incest, or the like. Do you think they really want to talk about that?
1: No, and at some point they need to.
0: They don't see the need to because they were told you do not talk about it. Mm. We come from a whole society in the past that didn't talk about their wounds, let alone their sexual wounds.
1: Yeah. Mm. And that's been generations. And now for the first time ever, we're doing this with more openness than ever. Absolutely. Mm.
0: But also look at your, your high society or your society that we look up to. Um, and the sexual molestation that happens there because it's okay for a man to use a woman and promise her to further her career. It is okay for the father to use his daughter because his wife is cold in bed. It is okay, and men have made it okay. So my question is, would a m- woman, a mother, really want to talk to her daughter about good sex when she's the one who's mm-hmm. cold in bed?
1: Because yeah, she doesn't mm-hmm. really know what good sex is. But I'll tell you what's very interesting is after the experience that I had with you, After the constellation. And in my practice over the next couple of weeks, I asked almost everybody that I worked with how much of their sexual patterning and what they were doing and their wounding was a reflection or an extension of what they had gotten from their parents. And almost every single person – no, not almost, but there was a really high percentage said yes, especially when women were aware of what their mothers had done or – I'm behaving like my mother did. They don't know the details, Mm. but I'm being like my mother.
2: Interesting. Uh, Esther Perel is talking about it as a blueprint. She calls it a sexual blueprint Mm. that actually everything we experience in the first few years of our lives is embedded in us. It's, It's completely... Of course, what Sonia is saying and what you're also saying, John, regarding the DNA, the the generational patterns and so on, but absolutely also our childhood, what we've absorbed at home, this is something that absolutely gives us uh, such an impact.
1: Yeah, and even – this is actually quite interesting. I never quite thought of of it this way before. Bruce Lipton talks about the biology of belief and how it's another resource that we can put up and how – biologically we take on the beliefs but those come from the environment and for our first couple of years the environment is our parents so that's another way the patterns actually get passed down well you need
0: to also understand uh, a girl's first sexual picture is the picture of her father in the opposite sex Mm. So her first uh, love affair in, in, for a little girl is the father and for a little boy is the mother. Mm. So, so yes, we, we do pick up what, what goes on between the two of them. And a child is totally devastated when the mother and the father picture falls apart.
1: Yes. As happens
0: for, for so many of us. Exactly. And so a child completes the, Whole picture, including the intimate sexual picture with the person that, that identifies. The girl thinks, if I am like my mother, I will please my father. Or the other way around, the boy knows, if I am like my, my father, I will please the girl. So you take it on without even knowing that you are taking it on. Mm.
1: And that's the thing. that We're not aware of, of so much of what it is that we do. Until generally something goes wrong And then we start becoming aware, aware When the pain becomes so great Absolutely But look at who the first person is you want to please
0: A little girl wants to please her daddy mm. A little boy wants to please his mother mm. And then they need to identify with mother and father And they need to be completely Oh, this is what men do Oh, this is what women do
2: hmm. So it's almost like you learn it by default. You actually start this conversation first. Whatever I see, I take in. And only then you have to start asking the question. It's almost, it doesn't happen really consciously.
1: Mm. Yeah. This is an interesting thing. Harv Ecker says it in one of his courses. Um, he says, never believe a thought that you're thinking.
2: Hmm, it's, it's exactly what I was thinking now in my head.
1: Question, every What's the name of that, that
2: resource, John T., Harv what?
1: Harve Eker, E-K-E-R. Okay.
2: Writing it down for the okay. feedback, for the notes for the
1: okay. show. So I, I have to digress for a second and tell you a funny story that involves Harve Eker. So, mm-hmm. so his, his full title is T Half Ecker. And in one of his courses, he talks about where the T comes from. And he had this huge moment of enlightenment that put him on his path. <laughs> and the T comes from him being THE Half Ecker as an individual. Here I am. And I did a, a beautiful breathwork session this week. Um, that was really deep and powerful for me. And at the beginning of the session, there was this mantra. And I used that term loosely, kind of repeating in my head for about 20 minutes at the first part of, of, of the breathing, which was, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? And I thought, and I just had such a giggle, and I thought I should just retitle myself What the fuck, John T? Kind of That can be I my quite title. like that. <laughs> Cause it's, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought how awesome it is, because it's the most amazing <laughs> question. What the fuck? And you're just but asking also what the fuck, you, that's what you're doing, what The fuck. Yeah. And I thought of how many ways you can actually use that phrase. You know, it can be a real Mm -hmm. statement. What the fuck? And it can be a question. What the fuck? And what the fuck do you want? And what the fuck do you mean? And what are you, and it could just be this amazing.
2: You're going to be the second Osho that says fuck it.
1: Yeah. And like, what the fuck? It just, it's really struck me as being beautiful. And just feel
2: the release of what the fuck? Yeah. And it's
1: amazing. (laughs) It's it's such a powerful. (laughs) Sentence. And so even, you're going to be WTF. Yeah. And think W-T-F. about it in terms of even the patterns they were talking about. What the fuck? Where does this come from? And then we start <laughs> being aware of where does it come from? And I was listening to a talk by, um, what's his name? Ken Wilber. And he talks about kind of spiritual growing up, you know, from this illusion into the illusions drop. Into really growing up to who we are And what we are and what we're doing Okay And in a way that's what this work is That we're really growing ourselves up Emotionally mm, Out of the illusion Spiritually and, <clears throat> and energetically
0: But you would get people to, who would ask the question What does it matter Because Being in this brokenness And getting out of it What does it really matter What will change
1: Hmm. That's really interesting. And I've been thinking about that in a way. I've been thinking about why I do what I do and why is it so important. Not so much the why, but why is it so important. And I came up with some really interesting things because it starts to create a very different world. And if we look at, I think there are two paths in our world. There's an expansive path and there's a contractive, destructive path. Most of our world, the way we're heading environmentally, politically, economically, is down this path of destruction. It matters because we can actually change that path. Which is why we do what we do. That's it. And I also have to think about Tom Chi in this, who talks about the purpose of life is to further life. And I thought about that, and I think, what does it actually mean? It means... What part of myself do I want to bring to life, to further life? What do I want to add to this energy of life? And if I can add that expansion, if I can add possibility, if I can add love, that's what I'm furthering as opposed to the destruction.
0: But then what you are saying is that we are not living fulfilled lives.
1: No, I think most people are not. I'm nowhere near that. We're living a pattern. We're living an expectation. We're living a comfort. We're not living an adventure. We're not living a love. We're living what we know. That's all. And the question from that comes that if you loved yourself, how different would the choices you make be?
0: And then comes the question, how could you get to love yourself?
1: And that's an interesting one. So... What I think I've come to from that comes quite a lot from Gabor Maté, and he says that self-love is actually a practice. The practice then is living and doing the things that are expressions of self-love.
0: But before you can get to the practice, you need to get to the awareness.
1: Okay, explain that a bit more.
0: If I am not aware that the pattern I'm living in is a painful pattern, Mm -hmm. how can I change it without becoming aware?
1: Okay. So something needs to happen that a level of, let's call it pain, needs to get to a point that I need to do something with this or become aware of the pain. Exactly.
0: And so in the family constellations, what happens there is we become aware of that which we hold in the subconscious that we're actually not aware of. Mm. And then we can make a choice to make say, I need to change. Mm. Something needs to change.
1: And that's generally a level of hurt or pain that brings us to a point.
0: But we generally do not want do not to admit to the hurt or the pain. Here goes. We also are loyal to the hurt of the pain of our parents. Yes, we carry it. Absolutely. And so when we are loyal to the hurt of the pain of our parents, why would we want to change that? Because the fear of disconnecting from that pain is actually
1: huge. Mm. But if we release the pain, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're deconnecting from them.
0: No, we disconnect from the pain. The pain gives purpose.
1: Yeah. And for most of us, our self-definition is our pain. Yeah. So when we drop that, then who are we? And often we've got no idea. And that's the scary part of it. Mm. So how does constellation work change that?
0: Well, first of all, in constellations, when we become aware of our internal patterns, then we can make a, what I call, uh, what I say, a knowledge based decision. Mm -hmm. From that insight, I can say, wow, this is what I'm following, but it actually is not serving me anymore. It is what my mother was following. It is what my father was following. And so I now take the free choice that is available. And say, all right, I can make a difference for myself, not knowing what the difference actually will bring in the future. And that's another scary point is because if I change something in myself now, how will my future look different? I have no concept.
1: Hmm. So we go where we know simply because it's safe. Yeah. Whether it serves us or not or makes us happy or not is is irrelevant. Absolutely. We'll go where we know.
0: Which is why when we are in very difficult sexual patterns which we say are not serving us, Mm. we will follow them no matter what because that is what we know. Mm. Even if they're destructive. Even if they're abusive. Mm.
1: And the same thing. We'll stay in, in unfulfilled relationships or unhappy jobs because we know them. Yes. So it's safe. Yes. So we'll do the same thing in our families and in our lives simply because we know it. Yeah. And so breaking a pattern takes a lot of courage. Mm. Absolutely, it does. And every single person I know who walks in my door, who comes to a retreat, who comes to a workshop, it takes enormous courage to do that. Because I think at some level, even if we're not aware of it, we know how much change that might bring. And it brings
0: something new. And we don't know what to do with the new. mm yeah, we don't have a place for it yet. So we have to be guided into the new. Hmm. So it takes courage from the therapist or whoever does help with that transformation or transition
1: yeah. to have the courage to actually just go with it. Absolutely. And that's huge. And I think even, you know, for people who listen to us, um, we present some very different ideas and for a lot of people that becomes a really huge shift in, in their thinking. Well, it
0: does have to have that shift in order for us to bring something new.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's something that, um, I want to read this to you because it's kind of indicative of this. And it was a f- uh, some feedback we got from somebody from the massage retreat last weekend. He says, oh. I want, I'd like to thank you for allowing me to be part of the Eros Life retreat over the weekend. At the age of 71, you introduced me to the gentle, sensual, and enthralling world of intimacy. It was performed in a secure, comfortable, and peaceful environment. At no time did I feel uncomfortable. In fact, it was only a feeling of well-being. Had I have had, I had the privilege of this education 45 years ago, I definitely would have been a better partner in all ways to my very dear life partner. And that's amazing for somebody at age 71 to step into that space and acknowledge what was lacking all those years.
0: Well, it just goes to show that it's never too late.
1: Mm. And that's absolutely beautiful. I like that. Mm. It really it touched me so deeply. Um, to be able to share that with someone in that space was incredible in that way.
2: Guys, I have a question for both of you. When you work with yourself and you change the patterns, but I suspect you're so scared of actually once you are in that consciousness and you go out to the world, you go out to your partner, you go back to your family and you wish, actually you know something you didn't know already and you wish to preserve it, you wish to change, but everybody else is still projecting their own ways. So and you've mentioned in the beginning of the show you did say that you see amazing things change in the family constellation after the therapy but how do you what would you actually what do you advise after a person is actually adapting new patterns to keep it and or as to quote Gabor mate how do you self practice the self love
0: once you've started your journey of self love I think it's very important to know that not everybody is on the same journey. And so you do this journey for you, irrespective of everybody around you, trusting that you only do the best for you and it has a ripple effect outward. It is not my job in my family to say everybody has to follow my path. They will find their path, and it's really, really important to have great respect for everybody where they are at and not to force them into anything new until they're
1: ready. Mm. And sometimes that has big consequences for relationship. It does, especially if one partner is
0: doing a lot of work and another partner is not doing a lot of work. So then you have the gap that arises. Then it becomes a question, how are we going to s-
1: serve each other
0: within that gap? And it becomes quite complex then for that relationship.
1: Yeah, and sometimes we serve each other by <coughs> not walking together any longer.
0: Sometimes the gap actually serves because mm. it shows us what we want and what we don't
1: want. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, which challenges our perception that um, a relationship is forever and sometimes it's not.
0: Well, it is forever because even if it doesn't it, – walking together is one thing and walking together separately is another thing. The mm. thing is the relationship is always forever because every relationship brings something into my life that makes me grow in whatever way I need to, whether mm. the relationship is actually in existence or not. And that will
1: always be there.
0: It'll always be there.
1: Yeah. And even Esther Peril says that um, in our lifetime we might have three or four different relationships with the same person. Yes. Through that kind of reinvention of ourselves. Yes. But it takes an incredible um, perception and awareness and even work to stay in that space when we think that it's kind of this might be done in this form. But there are possibilities.
0: My perception is that every relationship is for growth. Yeah. Now, we can either grow with the positive parts of ourselves, which is what attracts us. We are attracted by the positive parts. Mm. We are then so surprised when all the hurtful parts come play out, which is all the pains of our childhood, all the pains of wherever they are in the family system, the belief systems. And then it becomes challenging for that relationship because we never saw those parts when we get entered into the relationship. But both parties – in that relationship, grow because
1: of these parts bring coming to the fore. Yeah, it's not a it's not an easy space, and it's not a clear cut space. Well, that's why we humans are complex. Absolutely.
2: That's Sonia, can you describe to us maybe um, maybe uh, just the way the the session kind of goes? What is a family constellation for the ones that don't know? Uh, I know because Jonti has shared with me and I was amazed, but I didn't know beforehand. So maybe you could just share what happens in a session and kind of like, <laughs> from your eyes, I'm sure it's very different as a person who facilitates it, but maybe for the, for just a person who listens, is considering to maybe go to that amazing healing method. Okay. It's.
0: Very difficult to explain in words, but I can tell you what we basically do and what John T has witnessed is we had a group of people in a room. Um, some mm-hmm. of them know each other. Most of them don't know each other. I can take 20 people off the street, put them in the room, and we then, say, represent a situation that wants healing. So I have my client, and my client then picks from The representatives are in the room, people that don't know each other. And we place them in an open space. We call it spatial mapping. And every person becomes an antenna. With other words, every person picks up in their body something of either the grandfather, the grandmother, or maybe an incidence that we place in the room. I often work with abstracts. And then these bodies move and people move with them, and we don't judge what the movement is. We just allow the movement. This then gives the client a picture of what they recognize in themselves. The important part is that the client recognizes the picture in themselves. Okay. And then that picture, then we go to the point we I call it the healing point, where something in that constellation shifts from, something that was really, really painful. We acknowledge the pain and then it shifts into a movement where all of a sudden everybody in that room breathes. And that is then normally the healing point for the client who then finds, oh, this is now where I can feel comfortable. And that's normally the end of a constellation.
1: Hmm. And it is. It's a really hard thing to, to describe. Um, but when you're in it and you see how it happens, and when you're in that energy field, it becomes amazing. And how the slightest movement, even turning away from somebody, for example, from facing them, has enormous impact.
0: It gets e- even more interesting when I work with chairs where I do an individual constellation, mm. and the client sits in each chair as a representative and how they have different experiences in their body as to in which chair they, sh- uh, they sit. Hmm. So this shows us we are all interconnected to the energy field. All it is, is calling in the radio wave of that
1: individual field for that moment. Wow. You know, the implications uh, of that are, are are enormous in terms of... of The model of – we work – we live with generally a model that we've been given that what separates us is more important than what connects us. So we live with borders. We live with different religions. And they're all about the separation instead of the connection. And this puts us in the space of connection. It does. What, What is really important to understand is that the body
0: picks up the connection.
1: Yes, everything is in the body.
0: Everything's in the body, Hmm. which brings us back to the molecular structures that are in our bodies, that are
1: all-knowing and understand the energy field much better than our brains do. Hmm. And we actually, it's fascinating that we've been given the clues to heal ourselves and to heal others and help heal. But we have to go within to find them. Not outside Well, we've
0: lost those clues Because of our sense of disconnection hmm. Because we've been given the lie That we have to disconnect in order to be almighty We are all trying to be this almighty beings in ourselves Meanwhile, that's
1: so far from the truth Yeah, it's in connection that it happens Absolutely With myself And the more I connect to that The more I can connect to you And see you and me and me and you
0: understanding that each of us is a simple, uh, is a system on its own everybody is a complete system mm. we can't take one organ out of the body and allow the body to function so in a family system we can't take one member out of the family and for the family to function in any society everybody in that system if we are in a system in a work system in a social system everything works in unison
1: Mm. And, you know, in a world of, of increased isolation and, and so-called digital connection where people are having relationships online and they consider them intimate relationships, which I have a big issue with because mm. they're not intimate in any way. Until you're sitting opposite somebody, they're not intimate. Absolutely. Um, but we have these. But it makes the the work that we do, the space that you hold – um, the work that I do, and everybody who's doing healing work, um, when we come together in a group, when we come together one-on-one, the connection of that is so important. Sometimes regardless of what happens in the space, the connection and being in that space with another person, talking, touching, listening, breathing. And especially
0: the body connection because that is our intimate connection. Yeah.
1: And again, for me, it just shows the importance of, of body work and the new work that I'm doing, which I've called presence because I don't know what else to call it for now. The change it's bringing is enormous um, with such gentleness. Um, but it's huge. In, in increased isolation, we need it more and more. Absolutely, because we can't live, we can't live well in isolation. That's not possible. No, we're not designed to. Absolutely. On, on every level of our being, it actually impacts on physical health. For sure.
0: Physical, mental and emotional and spiritual health. Yeah. To say mm-hmm.
1: nothing of sexual, cause as wonderful as my mm-hmm. two hands are, um, I need touch.
0: Well, the thing is, um, in family constellations, we even see that babies that are taken away from their mothers too early, that need for that touch follows them right through their lives. It disconnects them from life on a very, very deep level. So touch early in life, touch right through
2: life is
0: an essence.: hmm.
2: That is very interesting. Um, I have a question. People, do they follow up? So do they come for many um, family, for constellations? Do they come for many sessions or is it once off? How does it really go? I know there's no patterns and I know there's no one fits all, but it just sounds amazing and it sounds powerful. I would just like to know.
0: Some people come for just to get in once off insight um, and that serves them. That serves them. Um, I found that with my group of trainees, because I also train uh, this work, um, I find that the more they do it, the more they actually heal deeper and deeper and deeper. So I would say we all have such levels of wounding. And until we've cleared all those levels of wounding, we will always search for more Insights mm-hmm. and for more healing and for more clearing of past patterns that don't serve us. Mm-hmm. So yes, oh, yes, some people come regularly. I have a group that comes regularly and some people only come once or to, uh, once or twice and they found that that is enough.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's very much because healing and growth are a journey. Yes. And there's always more. And I love that because I've been doing this work for a long time and working on myself, um, sometimes deeper, sometimes not so deeply, but the deeper that you go, the more tools you get to go deeper. And I think I'm learning now more than ever because I think I know how to learn more than I ever did before.
0: I've actually this year had a huge realization is that my healing journey is actually my spiritual journey.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, I can only speak for myself in this, but um, the only thing that we can bring as healers is ourselves. And that comes out of our personal space. And everything else that that we know, the information, the technique, everything else is simply a framework for myself. And if myself can't fill that space, then it's actually quite narrow or empty in a way. Uh, It's it's not coming from the heart. Jonti, have you
0: heard the term the wounded healer?
1: Yeah, of course. I
0: know it so well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) What brings mm-hmm. us to this in the first place I think for for so many of us
0: and so my aim in life is to clear my vessel mm. as much as I possibly can, because we a lot of us wounded people start the healing path, but it's about clearing the vessel and then actually become the healed healer that mm. then brings wholeness into the system
1: yeah and maybe when we do the healing work, essentially we're doing it, not maybe, we're doing it as much for ourselves as we are for everybody else and everybody that we work with. Absolutely. And then I think if we bring the conscious connection into that and we're aware of the energy field that we are in, the more that we do that for ourselves, the more that goes outwards without us having to do anything other than be.
0: Well, this is really where, where it becomes interesting. The more you are, the more you are aware of the journey that you are on, the more of you goes outwards and you don't have to change anything. You just need to be and everybody no. picks up on that energy. Mm. Oh, that's
1: really powerful.
2: Sonia, where do people, um, how can people find you? Are you on social media? I am on social media. I am on
0: Facebook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they can find me under Sonia Simak on Facebook or Healing Point um, SA.
2: Is that a website?
0: Um, healing Point SA is on Facebook. Okay. And healing then point. I have Constellation.
1: Is, is that a Facebook page, Healing Point SA?
0: Healing Point SA,
1: yeah.
2: Okay.
0: Okay. And then I have Perfect. a website, Healing Point Constellations.
1: Cool. Perfect. Yeah. Tomorrow, what are you doing for the rest of today? So today is a very special
2: day. I'm going to the beach to actually have my first swim for the year. I don't think I've been in the actually went to swim for a year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, it's very sweet because my brother just had his first baby girl, and I'm going. We're going to celebrate her birth. So it's going to be a beautiful celebration of life, which is very special for me as it's our first baby, like in our family that is being born, which, you know, third generation. Wow! And then my beautiful husband arrived today uh, to Israel. So I'm going to show him around and we're going to, we're actually going to sleep at the beach.
0: That's fantastic. Ooh, that sounds amazing. That's really mm.
1: awesome. Yes. Beautiful. So let's go back to our dirty dictionary word of a lemon tart. And a lemon tart is a promiscuous blonde. <laughs> I always knew why I like lemon tart. There you go. <laughs> That's what it is. A promiscuous blonde is a lemon tart. So it's like the the lemon tart and the unicorn
2: are standing together somewhere and having a, a giggle. <laughs> you know, they're close friends.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. That's it. So we have some very interesting stuff coming up this week. Um, On the the 18th, which is, I think, Thursday night, um, we are doing an introduction evening to bondage, fetish, and kink at Fetish Haven in Weinberg. Um, Information's on Facebook, and it will be up on www.eroslife.com. .co.za later today, and it's a talk if you would like to explore, everybody's interested in bondage, especially after Fifty Shades, you want to know what it's about, you want to explore a little bit, so we are going to give a talk, a little bit about the power exchange, a little bit about some of the rules, about how you express your fantasies, how you share them, how you listen to your partner's fantasies, what do your partner's fantasies mean to you. What's your responsibility with your partner's fantasies? What's your responsibility with your own fantasies? How do you express that? And then a tour of a dungeon. What is a dungeon actually? What's in it? What do all of these things do? So you can pick them up. You can look at them. You can feel them. You can play with them. Um, and that's a really exciting event, and that's open to everybody. Yes. You don't need a partner for it. And then from the 23rd, I am doing a week of workshops in Durban which I'm really looking forward to. It's been a while since I have taught in Durban. So we have three evening workshops on the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday night and from the 25th or 26th, the Friday of that week, essential um, massage retreat on the south coast. So you want a winter break from Joburg, you want a winter break from Pretoria, you want a winter break from Cape Town, you want a winter break from Bloemfontein, you want a winter break from anywhere and even if you're in Durban, come and join us um, at the South Coast for a beautiful weekend. And it's the ultimate romantic weekend with your partner. You're going to learn some absolutely amazing stuff. Um, so that's all on eroslife.co.za. Thank you very much for being here, Sonia. This was really interesting.
0: Uh, thank you for the privilege. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for
1: inviting me. And I think we've given some really awesome stuff for people to listen to. Um, mm. and thank I you. I agree. Yeah. Tomorrow, I hope you have an amazing day. Give Yorkie a big hug for me. I will, my and, angel. And a big hug for you. And I hope you have a wonderful time on the beach, even though I'm just a little bit jealous about you being on the beach, but two weeks time oh, I'll be on the beach exactly in Durban.
2: You're going to Durban. There we go. So
1: there we go. Mm. So lots of love and we wish you all so much pleasure.